listening to the Echo Community Church Podcast. We have a passion for being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope this podcast inspires you to take another step. Let's join our pastor for today's teaching from the Bible. We're going to talk about Samson today and probably also next week because the more I got into his story, the more I recognized we need a couple weeks to really digest him. If I asked you to give me a word or a phrase to summarize what you know about Samson, how would you summarize his life? For me growing up in church, I've, I have some familiarity with some of his stories. I've been taught the stories of Samson since I was little. So things I think about are like strong man, right? God gave this guy amazing strength. And so we have a couple scenes from his life in the book of Judges where he killed a lion with his bare hands where he lifted a city gate, uh, the city gate of Gaza. He lifts it up off the ground to let himself out and he carries the city gate up the mountain and he uh, puts on there. Hadassah says long hair. Yeah, he and I cannot identify there, but yeah, he had long hair. He took a Nazarite vow, so he had he had long hair. Alicia, I agree. That was the other one I was going for, Delilah. And then at the very end when his eyes were put out and he, he you know, he pushes the pillars out from the from the Philistine temple and it all falls down and crushes people. Those are all true stories that are part of his life. However, after I've read his story probably, you know, once a year as I read through the Bible for the last whatever 20 years. So I've read his story at least 20 times. Uh, Nazarite, another good one, Susan. Here's what here's the word I would use this time as I read through his entire story and that word is puzzling. I would use the word puzzling to describe a Samson's life. And here's why. Lots of different theologians that I've looked into are still debating to this day whether or not Samson's life was more about good or more about evil. Whether he really is a hero or whether the point of his story is that he's a warning because his life is a mix of strengths and weaknesses. His story is a mix of high points and very low points of obeying God and disobeying God. And as a matter of fact, if you went back today and you just started at Judges 13 and you read to Judges 16 and you wrote down the different stories of his life and there's nine to 12 of them, depending on how you chop it up, there's more bad than good. And it leaves us wondering, what what is the point of his life? How did he make it into the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11? And, and was he really included in the Bible as an example of a hero for us to follow? Or is he more of a warning about what goes wrong when you do things your own way? And rather than me biasing the jury by telling you how this lands, we're just going to dig in. And I want to give you a couple snapshots, a couple uh, mixed tiles, if you will, of his life. And let's start off with his birth in Judges chapter 13. The story story on Samson actually picks up before he's born. We learn his dad's name is Manoah and his mom, even though she's figured prominently in his life and in his story, we're not given her name. And we find out that the Lord sends an angel to visit Manoah's wife, Samson's mom. And we find out that Samson's parents could not get pregnant. So we have another story of a biblical family who's dealing with infertility struggles. And the angel of the Lord comes to Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, and says, good news, God wants you to know you're going to get pregnant, but that's not all. You're going to have a son, and your son is going to be used mightily to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. 
And then the, the other thing he says is you need to raise your son a very specific way. You're, you're never to cut his hair. In fact, God gives uh, Manoah's wife the instructions for to raise her son in such a way that he's going to be a Nazarite, to take a Nazarite vow. So there's all this information coming to Samson's family. It might uh, evoke memories of, think about Abraham. God had to tell Abraham, you and your wife are going to have a child. God sent uh, a similar message to Samuel's mom, Hannah. God sent a similar message to John the Baptist's mom. So there's different times in the Bible where God tips off people who are having trouble getting pregnant that they're going to have a baby. Now, here's the wrinkle that you and I might catch. Just before the Bible tells us about this scene, it has this sentence in Judges 13.1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. Now, if you've been following along with our series in Judges, I've taught you that Judges has a cycle. There's a cycle in Judges and it goes like this. The Israelites did evil again. Then what did they do? Eventually, they cried out to God for help and God sends help. And then what? The cycle begins again. And then the Israelites again did evil and God let trouble into their life. And then they cry out to God for help and God sends help. And then they do more evil and cry out for help and God sends help. And that's the cycle of Judges. That sentence is in here almost every time we see a new character introduced. However, the cycle is a little bit broken here in Judges 13. It says, the Israelites did evil in God's sight. He handed them over to the Philistines. And then God visits Manoah and his wife and says, I'm going to help out Israel by sending them a deliverer. Now, what part of the cycle do we not see here? We see the Israelites did evil and God sending help, but we're missing a part. We're missing the part where it says Israel realized they had done wrong and they cry out for help. And what does that tell us? It says even before the Israelites knew they needed help, even before they wanted God's help, God already planted the seeds to deliver them. What an amazing, faithful God we have. I wonder how many times in our own life has God been getting ready to deliver us even before we realized we needed to be delivered? How many times has God planted the, the seeds of taking care for you and me before we even knew we were in trouble or even before we recognized we were in trouble? And that's a beautiful part of the story. We see that even before Israelite, the Israelites cried out to God for deliverance from the Philistines, God visits a couple who, would, who couldn't have children and says, I'm going to save, I'm going to save you. I'm going to begin to deliver you through your son that's not even born yet. How crazy is that? That's just an amazing story of God being faithful over and over and over again to his kids. So the story goes on. Manoah, Manoah's wife gets the message from the angel. She runs to Manoah. She's all excited, says, we're going to get pregnant. Manoah says, well, how do you know we're going to get pregnant? She says, God sent an angel. And here's what Manoah says. Well, can you tell God to send the angel back? Because I have some questions. And so Manoah prays to God and says, listen, could you throw me a bone? I wasn't privy to the conversation with the angel. And now I have some follow-up questions. And so God, God sends an angel to Manoah as well. Manoah asks some follow-up questions about how to take care of his wife during their pregnancy. He says, can you give me some more information? I don't feel up to the task of raising a son of this caliber. And the angel talks to Manoah. And here's another question if you've been following along in this study. Judges gives us all kinds of different scenes about people that God called who had weak faith. And he responds to them all differently. Think back a couple weeks. We talked about Deborah and Barak. Barak has weak faith, right? 
He says, I don't believe God's plan. I need a guarantee that God's plan is going to work. And what does God do? He rebukes Barak for having weak faith. Then we have Gideon. God calls Gideon, says, I'm going to use you to be a mighty warrior. He says, that's all, all well and good, but I need some more proof. I need you to really prove that what you're telling me is actually going to pan out. And he does the whole laying out of the fleece story. And what does God do there? He actually actually honors the conditions that Gideon puts out and builds his weak faith. Now we have Manoah. Manoah says, I'm glad you sent my wife an angel, but not quite good enough. I need you to send more proof. And what does God do? He doesn't rebuke him. He actually sends the angel again. And what does this show us? It shows us that God has lots of different ways of dealing with our weak faith. He wants to build our faith up to get our faith strong enough for us to actually act on the instructions that he gives us. And he knew that in Barak's case, he needed to be rebuked to get in line. He knew that in Manoah's case and Gideon's case, they wanted to believe but needed a little more help. It's almost like God deals with every instance of our weak faith uniquely. God has limitless ways of dealing with our our weak faith to get us to get us moving. I got a truck along. So how does the story, how does this part of his life end? Uh, when her son was born, she named him Samson and the Lord blessed him. That's an important phrase. I want you to store that away. This is one tiny little phrase of, of a good endorsement. It says the Lord blessed Samson as he grew up. And I want to pause here to say this. The rest of what we're going to read about Samson's life is filled with a lot of bad pictures is filled with a lot of really confusing stories. It's not filled with scenes you would expect out of a mighty judge of God. It's filled of, and I can't say this live because lots of kids listening, but it's filled with a man who had a, a serious issue with sex, a serious issue with lust, serious issue with promiscuity. He had a hot temper and he abused a lot of times the gifts that God gave him. God gave him gifts of strength and Samson a lot of times used those gifts of strength and acts of rage and acts of jealousy and acts of revenge. He didn't use them in ways that you and I think that we ought to use the gifts that God gives us. But what we see, right, and, and, and so for that reason, a lot of people say this guy's whole life was messed up, but that's not true. He was a complicated mixture of righteous and unrighteous activity. You see this phrase, it says the Lord blessed him as he grew up. He was raised as a Nazarite. That meant he spent his life completely devoted to God. He was very aware that he was to grow his hair out. He wasn't to take strong drink. He, he was supposed to live a life of holy separation to God, and he did. And the Bible says the Lord blessed him. The Lord doesn't make a habit of, you know, the, or I should say this, the Old Testament doesn't make a habit of, of saying God blessed people who are living just in complete rebellion. And so understand as Samson grew up, he was a righteous guy. He loved the Lord. He understood, he understood who God was and his parents did their very best to raise him up until a certain point that we're going to read about in a second. It says the Lord blessed him as he grew up and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him when he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtaol. So circumstances around his birth, God was looking out for the Israelites long before, uh, long before they asked for deliverance. God was looking out for them. But think about this. God says, I'm going to deliver you through the life of a person who's not even been born yet. So what does God saying? You're going to struggle for a while. Deliverance is coming, but it is going to be a while. Um, so next part of the story, we fast forward now into his adult years. So we go from his birth his adult years, and here we start to see Samson's humanity and his weaknesses and his brokenness come to the surface. The next part of the story says this, one day when Samson was in Timnah, there's a whole backstory on Timnah. Um, 
Oh, I wish I had time to tell you this story because it's really important. I, I don't. Maybe I'll save it for next week. But if you have time, look into Timnah. It's a Philistine city in the story. But Timnah was a city that actually fell within the geographical boundaries of Samson's tribe of Dan. What you'll find out, and I'm telling the story anyway, is that the tribe of Dan, God instructed them to subdue the town of Timnah way early on and to claim that town for their tribe and to install God's people there, but they didn't do it. They crossed off 90% of the checklist, but they didn't complete their assignment. And because of that, Timnah remained a pagan city. And, the, and years later, the Philistines, the power that they had and their occupancy there became a stumbling block for, for Samson because you and I need to finish what we start. Anyway, well, that's a whole different message for another day. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And we see right here now, he really had a wandering eye. He loved beautiful women. And there's nothing wrong with loving beautiful women. I'm not throwing stones at that. But the problem was what, what the problem becomes what he did with what he desired. When he returned home, he told his mom and dad, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our own tribe among all of our Israelites that you could marry, they asked? Why do you have to go to the Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. This is where the story gets really tricky and it gets really messy and really twisted. This is not the sanitized version of Samson's story. Here's what's going on. Samson is a virile young man. And he likes good-looking women. He likes good-looking Philistine women. And this is a problem because God's laws said they weren't supposed to marry outside of their faith. And this was not meant to be restrictive. It was meant to be protective for them. It's similar in nature to the New Testament command that we have from Paul that says we shouldn't be unequally yoked. In other words, if you are a believer, you should not entertain the idea of marrying somebody who doesn't believe uh, who doesn't serve God that you do because it's going to be disastrous for your marriage. It's not a foundation you can start. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. God had a similar principle in place for the Israelites and said they're not supposed to marry people who don't worship and serve the one true God. And what Samson does, and I'm going to choose my words carefully here, is he rejects God's definition of marriage. And he decides to customize a definition of marriage based on his own strong desires and feelings. And he comes to his parents who are trying to raise him the right way. And he says, I have decided I see something I like. I see a girl I want and I am burning with passion for her. And I want to marry her even though she's outside my faith. And they say, Samson, please no. Samson, don't do this. Samson, isn't there any possible fiance for you among all of the, the God-fearing women of our own people? Do you have to go outside of our faith to find, to find a wife? And they say, please, Samson, we beg of you, don't do this. And Samson goes to his parents and basically says, no, nope, I'm rejecting your godly counsel and I want to do this my way. And I want to tell you something. Whenever you start rejecting God's definitions for how we should live, and you substitute your strong opinions, you're headed for trouble every single time. 
in this case, we see the catastrophe of Samson rejecting God's instruction for how he should pursue a spouse. And he says, no, I see somebody that I feel really strongly about and my strong feelings trump God's commandments in this. And you might say, well, pastor, that's not my particular struggle. Um, but the reality is you might have different ideas than God does about how you spend your money, about how you form friendships, about how you treat your children or your spouse, about how you entertain yourself. And trouble surfaces every time you say, I, I understand God has these principles of holiness or God has these principles of godliness. God wants me to be generous. God wants me to be obedient. However, I have really strong feelings about how I should be. I'll be generous after I pay down my house payment. I'll, I'll be generous after I spend uh, all I want to spend on traveling and clothes and entertainment and Disney. I will be forgiving once it, and what, Every time we substitute our own definitions in priority above God's definitions, we run into trouble. And that's exactly what happened with Samson. As this story unfolds, and I'm out of time, so we'll pick up here next week. As this story unfolds in Samson's life, his rejection of God's definition for the, the, the spouse he should be looking for sets him up for trouble. In fact, if you why don't you read that story this week? We'll pick up here. Um, we'll pick up here next week. But what happens next basically is that uh, Samson ends up pursuing this woman. His parents cave. They give in. They go down to Timna. They start working with the parents of the bride to be to get everything uh, ready for the wedding. Samson's heading down to Timna a few days later. Gets attacked by a lion. Tears the lion apart with his bare hands. So what do we see? Even though Samson's moving into sin, God is using these impulses to still work His plan out for Israel. It's crazy. It, you know, as a matter of fact, if Samson would have stayed isolated and restricted from the Philistines, he wouldn't have been able to actually get close enough to them to to do God's bidding against them, which is just how he uses all this, how God uses all of these things to work them together for good is mind numbing. It's mind blowing to me. But Samson comes down a few days later. We see God still giving him strength. He tears apart a lion. He heads down a few days later and it's time for him to throw a big bachelor party. And so uh, the bride's family hand select 30 groomsmen to hang out with Samson, to stand with him at the wedding. And Samson's feeling pretty good about himself. And he, he decides to have a bet with the groomsmen to entertain them at, at, at the bachelor party and says, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you can, I'm going to give you seven days to solve it. If you can solve it, I'm going to give each of you a brand new wardrobe. But if you can't solve it in seven days, if you can't solve it in seven days, then you all owe me a brand new wardrobe. And this is where the story gets twisted, and this is where I'll leave you. But if we just go back through the story, you already see a couple things. Why don't we open up our eyes and see how faithful of a God that we have that even before we're crying out to him for help, God is already preparing a way to deliver you. He's a God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. We see that um, in this story, another thing God shows us is that our parents know a whole lot more than we give them credit for. And there is wisdom in us listening to our parents. And if you're in a parenting season of your life or if you're looking forward to a day when you will be a parent, walk close to the Lord because you're going to have an enormous responsibility to influence the lives of your children. And then another thing I see in this story, the part that we've read so far, is that what God designs, he defines. And every time we decide to customize God's definitions of life to fit our own desires, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. 
Samson does that in this story. And so it's a great way to take inventory in our heart. And at the same time, aren't you thankful that the Bible doesn't hide the flaws of its heroes from us? Is there a more dysfunctional family in the Bible than Abraham's family or Isaac's family or Jacob's family and David's family? And yet these are the ones the Bible holds up as heroes. Samson is somebody recorded in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And yet God doesn't hide Samson's flaws from us. Every single one of us have weaknesses and brokenness in our life. Every single one of us needs to be delivered. And, and, the, and yet at the same time, God loves to use broken people to accomplish his will. So if you find yourself in that situation today, you're a prime candidate for God to use you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Echo Community Church podcast. If today's message impacted you, or you want to talk about one of the topics we discussed today, email us at info at echochurchmd.com. We would love to connect with you online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube by searching our church name, Echo Community Church. Send a message or leave a comment to at Echo Community Church, and let's continue the conversation. And if you live locally in Baltimore County, Maryland, we invite you to our Sunday worship experience. You can find out more on our website at echochurchonline.com.